This is Redefining the Counterculture on Witten Radio. Make sure to check out our website at wittenradio.com. The Punisher, a firearm-wielding vigilante, was pulled from New York Comic Con by Marvel and Netflix, something Steve Harsh, who's been attending for years, understands. I do kind of agree with that, out of respect for the victims and for the situation. But another attendee, Leo Lawrence, says the Punisher didn't cause the Vegas shooting. That's only punishing the, the fans. And it's only letting the idiot that did it win. Punisher or not, security here is tight with the NYPD's heavily armed anti-terrorism unit standing guard. At the Jacob Javits Convention Center in Manhattan, I'm Julie Walker. Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Redefining the Counterculture right here on Whitney Radio. Today we've got a special guest for you. We're joined by Brian Begin. Uh, Brian is the CEO and founder of The Field Man. Brian, how's it going? Excellent. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I can't complain at all. I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, I think that the work that you are doing is, you know, it's not only instrumental between, um, you know, relationships between, you know, the sexes, of course, but also just in selling in life and just having a meaningful and, and, a, and a happy life. I think you've done a really good job of highlighting the importance of, you know, just um, dealing with, you know, insecurity issues and and also just learning to walk in confidence. Um, I'm just super excited to have you on today's show, and I was wondering um, if you could kind of tell us what led you into um, this path of life. Um, what was it that, I guess, acted as a catalyst for you starting the serious man and just helping to change so many men's lives? Well, um, it's a great question. I uh, It started because I was so shy myself. I was super insecure, super shy. I remember in grade school, uh, actually going all the way back to kindergarten. Uh, my kindergarten was actually across the street from my home where I lived. And my mom had a problem with me sneaking out of school back then and, and trying to sneak home. Uh, and there was a few times I actually snuck out of the kindergarten, actually snuck uh, home because I just didn't like being around people. And um, I was terribly afraid. I had a lot of fear. So I grew up with a lot of fear, and I was, it was really tough because uh, I was was afraid to leave the house for a period of my life. I was even agoraphobic to some degree. So you know how like pain causes growth? Well, that pain caused first this idea that I just didn't want to live my life this way. And um, and when it came to dating, so specifically social, not just dating, confidence, social insecurity, and then when it came to dating, um, even if a girl liked me, uh, which was on a rare occasion because I was so inward, I would run away from her. So, uh, so all that means Absolutely, absolutely. Um, when did you, I guess, when would you say was the actual age or time, time period in your life where it really, you just really said enough is enough, I want to change, I'm tired of this person that I am, and I, I want to improve myself and be more confident as a man. Um, what, what time was that in your life? Well, it's interesting because I had, there's a bunch of different periods. Um the first one was when I was probably a, a teenager, maybe a young, a, a, just starting to become a teenager, and I wanted to. I was watching a lot of martial arts films. I don't talk about this one much, but uh, and I just was fascinated by the power of the mind. And I see these guys meditating and break boards and bricks. And I, I wanted to take a martial arts class because I wanted to learn to control my mind like that. I wanted to meditate and get all this power from meditation. And uh, and then when I took a martial arts class, we meditated for all of one minute. And, Start kicking and punching, and I really wanted to learn more about the mind. <laughs> so that was my my first indicator was I wanted, you know, that I really wanted to gain that power. In a sense. Um, and then when I got out of high school, I realized I was very lonely, and I was spending I spent a lot of my time in high school just hanging out with a small group of friends. We played Dungeons and Dragons, and we didn't do much, and we ate pizza and got fat, and that was about it. And, and <laughs> And it was, it was, yeah, that's exactly it. I got out and I said, okay, this has got to change. I got rid of all the board games. I got rid of all the video games. I've never played video games since. I got rid of all of that and I just started learning. I went to the bookstore and I found what two books there were at the time on dating and relationships and social skills. And I just started reading them and started from there. And really the, the next 10 years or so was just me reading and then trying a few things here and there, but not really. And then, um, 
older and I moved into my thirties that I started to take it really seriously because I was doing a lot of work. I was growing. I moved into this this yoga school, which was like more like a yoga cult, I call it. And uh, I was living there for years, trying to figure out my life because I never liked anything I did. I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't, didn't like myself much, even though I had all this knowledge in my head. I had this like brimming with all these books I read, but I wasn't living. And um, in the yoga school, I found this book online on how to meet women, an e-book on how to do it. Started studying that, studying e-books, which when I moved out of the yoga place, and what happened was really quite. This was the, the pivotal point. I actually started to from reading and studying and taking courses and really applying myself. Because I said, if I get much older and I don't study, I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life. I'm going to be a lonely old man, and I don't want that. And I'm going to be miserable every day of my life. So I started really applying myself. And what happened when I went out every night and I practiced meeting them, being social, going out just talking to people, just asking the time, because I was so scared to even ask people the time. Unless uh, I, if I, I had this belief in my head, like most men say, if I ask them the time and I don't really need the time, then I'm lying to them and I'm bad for them. So the only way I could ask them the time is that I really needed more time. So just something as simple as that. I'm out every day applying myself to practice. And I meet this beautiful girl, um, Emily, and that shifted everything because she was the first girl that liked me back that I really liked. Up until then, I started. And when I met her, I was like, wow, this beautiful woman that I really like likes me back. And at first, it was heaven, quickly turned into hell. Oh, my because, God. <laughs> yeah. Because I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Jealousy kicked in like I had never seen it inside my head before. I didn't know where she was, what she was doing, and I realized I had some serious problems. And um, I ended up destroying that within like two months. And um, it took me years to get to where we were even friends again. And, but that, she became the catalyst for me taking it even more seriously. From that point on, I started taking workshops, seminars, classes, learning, and working really on what is it Attractive women because he believed in himself, not because he was That was the difference I wanted. Because if I use the technique, I'm just going to lose them later, like I did Emily. As soon as they realize who I really am. So that was that was the big catalyst right there. And then I've never stopped since. Had a lot of different teachers, and I've studied a lot of teachers. Absolutely, absolutely. You said a mouthful there. You know, you wanted to. Real changes that would actually change you for the better, and not just technique. You know what drew me, or and what continues to draw me to the work that you do is that it's so real. I mean, you're setting stuff that is just like so real, so concrete, and it's so applicable. I mean, you you talk a lot about constantly improving oneself, and it's different from a lot of these other so-called gurus that, you know, just give you techniques, oh, do this, and still, you know, you'll be able to take it home. And it's like, you know, it's like, we don't want that. Like, most guys, like, I know I, I don't want that. I want to know, like, what is it at my core that maybe pushing women away? And the, uh, you had this piece, uh, we talked about the nice guy syndrome, and it, you hit on so many levels, like, with me. Like, when I was first getting into it and just hearing what you had to say and everything, I so much of it just like relatable to me. And it's I guess you know, it's a it's a real issue. Um I guess in your own words or, you know, your own experience, where does the nice guy syndrome come from exactly? Um I know I grew up in a, a Christian home and I just always heard, you know, be a good man, be a good man. Um really more to just meeting women and, and having self-confidence and, you know, I guess trying your hardest to be a good man. Um, I, I guess what other things um, help to introduce this nice guy syndrome? Well, the, the nice guy syndrome is free. It's a form of codependency, and we have a very large codependent society today in general. But um, the nice guy syndrome really started showing up in men when we started seeing more uh, 
um, broken or dysfunctional households was one. So uh, an extreme version would be, and, I, and I'm not saying this is you, or, or, but an extreme version would be having an alcoholic parent who has unstable wow. mood patterns. So if your parenting, one of your parents is really unstable in their mood, and you don't know what personality you're going to get when you get home, it's going to be loving for two minutes, you're acting guilty, making you feel guilty for something, and you start to become a chameleon, adjusting to the parent, always trying to make them happy for your survival as a child. And then you take that into life. Who do I need to be to make everybody around me happy? And that's, that's the basis of it. And what the parent, by doing that, does is it installs in me, instills in me, this feeling that I'm not good enough. It's a lot of shame. It's a lot of toxic shame. Um, now, what are other versions of that? I mean, that's just one version. Other versions could be uh, a bipolar parent. It could be a parent that doesn't allow, this is a milder version, but still happens. It could be a parent that isn't good at conflict and resolution or rupture and tear. Yeah. yeah. So they, they use, they get in conflict with you, they hold that over your head as a tool to manipulate the child, to get the child to do what they want. And if you don't do what I want, I'm going to pull my love and affection away from you. And it might be a day or two. It's a sense of abandonment that happens. And you're always trying to figure out who to be to make that parent happy. It's a control strategy a lot of parents have been using, especially in single moms and they're going through. You know, they don't know what else to do because they don't have anybody else in the household. They work. My mom was working three jobs. She was struggling. And she didn't have time to sit down with me all the time. And, you know, so it's... And I'm not saying there are amazing moms out there and amazing dads, but this stuff happens. They don't mean for it to happen, but it happens. And we don't don't learn to to have resolution in conflict, and that's where the bond is built. That's where a tighter bond, that's where we learn to say our piece and and be honest and and say the tough things as individuals. Absolutely. Yeah, you said a mouthful there again, Brian. You know, that's really what I can say kind of happened with me. Never really knew, you know. I never learned conflict management, you know, at home. You know, I had a, I had a good mom, and she's still a great mom, but it's just I just never learned that key element, you know, how to how to deal with conflict. And you're right, you know, the whole thing of you know withholding affection and everything. That was that was me. If I got like a bad grade in school, or if I got into a fight, or if I lost like a test in math. That you know, it just it sucked for a few days, and so I, I did have to learn how to maneuver, so to speak. And I, I think that that's kind of carried over into my my everyday yeah. life. Uh, well, out of creative perfectionist, for unless you do it perfect, you're not good enough. Yeah. And, and you're going to try to do everything perfect all the time and make everybody happy, and that's impossible. It's utterly impossible. If you, haven't, if you haven't read the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, it's a great read by a man named uh, Robert Clark. Um, I've heard of that book, actually. My brother was talking about it. I'm yeah. Check it. I have almost every client that the nice guy reads because it really puts in their face all the nice guy stuff. And, and a lot of, if you've got nice guy syndrome at all, you're probably going to feel like, wow, this book is talking to me. And, um, and I find that uh, a second book to read is David Data's way of the superior man because we want to come out of the nice guy into this superior man David Data talks about, the third stage man David Data talks about. And um, and that's what my company's about. Fearless is all about transitioning people from the, that second stage and first stage, which first stage is uh, it's my way of the highway guy. And um, into this third stage man, which is really where we want to help men uh, move to. Because the nice guy does have a beautiful element to it. The nice guys really do care, um, and they really do develop a sense of sensitivity. With the the first stage man is this man macho, my way or the highway. He doesn't have the sensitivity. The nice guy develops this sensitivity, this ability to feel more emotion, depth of emotion, by having to be really careful with them. So when he learns to own his masculinity again that sensitivity to get the third stage man. Man that can not only set boundaries and be solid and be a man knows what he wants, but he can also feel into his partner really deeply so she can feel him feeling his emotions. He can, she can feel him relating to her. Not because he has to, but because he wants to. Not because he needs to for survival, but because he cares. And and, uh, and he can also still say no. Yeah. 
that is beautiful. Yeah, that's that's perfect to me. That's the ideal of everything. Like, not a pushover, not a wimp, but you know, having that heart, like you said, because we want to. And I think that that's something that every man should strive to do. Yeah. Um. So your passion for helping men struggling with mental health with this with these issues, you know, I know it's never easy to deal with. You know, like people have so many different temperaments and there's so many personalities that they have to deal with and to try to understand. Um, I guess what keeps you going? What's that motivator that keeps you saying like, hey, you know, I'm, I was able to conquer, you know, my insecurities and not hang up and now I want to help, you know, Walter or another group of guys. What is it that keeps you, I guess, coming? Um, and this is something a friend of mine asked me because I see so many coaches get into coaching and they burn out. Yeah, never burn right. out. <laughs> and I think this applies to every industry, by the way, not just coaching. Because um, every industry will burn out and just be careful. And, sure. uh, and um, you may you maybe have experienced that in radio, maybe not yet. Maybe you still have a huge passion. It sounds like you have passion. Um, but burnout comes from not sitting in your awareness in what you're doing. Um, in other words, I'm constantly still learning more. I'm constantly saying, what's a subtler aspect of this? I'm constantly sitting down with my, I have a lot of coaches I'm training and working with, and I'm saying, how can we all go deeper together? Because when I get new realizations, it's exciting. It's exciting. It leads me to the fire. So that every year, the work will be work faster than the year before. It'll change people's lives faster. I'll see greater results than the year before. And so to me, there's always these new depths and new new vistas to see and new things to learn. It's not just about myself, but about everybody around me. That's what keeps me excited. Um, a friend of mine recently asked, he's a coach, and he said he was doing daily coaching. He said, you go deeper. You learn more. Said, you just keep doing the same thing every year because it makes you money. And I said, yeah, you're right. And uh, he said, I haven't been going deeper. And he said, that's why you're, that's why you're bored. That's why you're burning out. You know, if, if, if you really, really don't like what you're doing, change profession. But you can always go deeper. Sure. That's some good advice. Yeah, that's good life lesson away uh, as well because, yeah, it's easy to get burnt out. And sometimes you don't even really realize that you're getting burnt out until, you know, something happens. Maybe you snap at somebody or you just buckle with the food. I mean, you just, you know, sometimes you're just so conditioned. You just, you don't realize, like, hey, I need a break. So that's some good good uh, life advice for sure. We appreciate that. Yeah, that's super true. It happens everywhere. It sneaks up on you. And I, I, I find things sneaking up on me, and then I immediately go to work on it. You just can't let that stuff take you over. And, and also, uh, one more piece I think is really important is you can't just do it out of money. Money is great, and I have no problem making a lot of money. But it's, it's gotta, you got to make the money really create value. If you don't feel like you're really creating value, then you're going to start to give yourself a team You're right. You're right. Um, I, I want to go back to the Muscat syndrome. What advice would you give to a man that's struggling with the Muscat syndrome? Maybe he doesn't know he's struggling with it, but he he does realize because you know, like a year ago, a year ago, excuse me, I didn't know like, hey, I've got this syndrome. I don't treat that right. What's wrong with these girls? Why are they saying that I'm too nice? And why is it that I'm constantly being put in the friend zone? Why am I being overlooked? I didn't really know. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody that's, you know, struggling and maybe doesn't know, like, hey, I'm stressed out, I'm doing this? Yeah, um, it's a great question. There's a lot of things you can do with it. The first thing is awareness. It always starts with awareness. you got to see and understand what the mystery is. Otherwise, you, you will have a hard time dealing with it. So that's why I recommend reading Glover's book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, checking out some of my videos on The Nice Guy, or even getting into a program where we can break down The Nice Guy have the resources for that. But um but but that's the first step is developing a sense of awareness about about the nice guy. Number two is is what are your boundaries? What is what 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 is important to you? And uh you know what do you want? Like for example, nice guys will go on a date and they think it's their job to impress the woman. 
And whereas, yes, if you like this girl, you want her to be impressed, you want her to have a good time, that's great. But it's really your job to be the most authentic version of yourself. And then also know exactly what you want from a woman so she's not it, you can move on. It's not your job to impress every woman. And, and I was guilty of this myself. Every day I go out and figure out how to impress every day. Not realizing even if I like the girl yet or not, how much I like the girl. Do I want to go deeper with her? And I have to say, wait a minute. Maybe I don't want to impress every woman. Maybe I want to be as real as possible so she doesn't like me until a woman and email and with her and went away sometimes. And so that's where the nice guy goes wrong. He wants validation. So what is it that you really want from a woman? Define that. What is it you really want from uh, life? Where are your boundaries? Define that. And then when you see people crossing them, you got to do something about it. doesn't mean you have to just be mean and rude or rude or nice guy says, now I have to be mean. No. You can set a boundary and still be mean. You can set a boundary and be stern and be real. And that can be the most loving thing there is. You can say no. And that can be very loving. No, I'm not doing it. And what happens with people is amazing. When you start saying these no, you find these places in your life where you can say no. People respect you more. They love you more. They trust you more. Because now they know they're dealing with the real you instead of the guy that's talking about the real And that's huge. So I would, so I would set boundaries. You know, and, and be clear. You've got to make, it, make a list of all the places you're not setting boundaries. Five places you're not setting boundaries. Don't even make a list of all of them. Even three, three to five. And then practice setting boundaries in those areas. Practice letting go in those areas of, of, of the need for validation. That's the beginning. You set a boundary, you let it say, you know what, I'm not going to choose validation. I'm going to let go of the need for validation and choose boundaries and, and say no to that. And then see how that feels. Journal about it. Learn about it. And then when you get good with those three to five places, you've got to pick another three to five places. Start working on that. That's 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 the next step. And then the next thing I would say is notice how much you're trying to be perfect. Notice all the places you want to be perfect, and you want everybody to see you as perfect. And then go out and practice being imperfect and letting people start with strangers who you met during the day. Go out and 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 just you know wear uncorded clothes that would embarrass you and walk down the street. You know, do stuff that's that's stupid. Tell people you don't have, like, go up and pick something that you know how to use. This is a a weird example, but it's funny. Uh, If you go down to um, the beach and let's say you're going to go rollerblading, and you put a rollerblade on the wrong foot and you tell them it doesn't fit, and then you have them correct you. So now you've got it on the wrong foot. Watch how embarrassed the nice guy is. But we're feeling like an idiot because we didn't understand. And little things like that go through your life and you find all the little places where you're trying hard to be perfect and you let somebody see you do it wrong and then keep doing corrected it and doing it again. And, and, uh, and, and not trying to take over and take care of everybody. Let somebody take care of you. Absolutely. That's some good advice, yeah, because I, literally I am like that. Like, I get really embarrassed if, if it's something simple that, like, Try to open your heart and say hi to people in a genuine way. 
Why? Because, or you might not even be able to do it because they can't feel you in your heart. They can't show you in your connection. As soon as you shift and start relaxing into your body and feeling more openness, which feels like a warmth in your heart, and you start really caring about people, watch how many people will not smile or say hi back. It'll be like 70%. But when you're not doing that, because you're worried about what people think of you, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed, watch how many people turn away, ignore you, start saying hi back. It's amazing to do. Absolutely amazing. We do this all the time, working on getting more and more open, and the key here is not caring what people think of us. I can only be giving, I can only be open with my heart, I can only be present with people and really care when I don't when I'm not worried about what they think of me. And so that's what the highs are teaching me, is not to worry about what everybody around me is watching me do this thing for me, and just get present with people. And, um, and then we get into stop exercises and all kinds of other things. We have to talk to them and strangers, and it, it just goes on and on. It's, it's endless. You know, being willing to be seen and, and connect with people. It's such a, uh, there's so many layers and depths. Um, this next question, it kind of, um, it's a little bit of a, a deviation from, um, you know, what we were just talking about, but um, is there a way for a man who, or men who follow, I guess, religious lifestyles, uh, i.e., um, a guy that is trying to be, a, you know, live the Christian way, is it, is there a way for them to be just as confident in meeting women? Um, if we, I guess, if we take out that element of like sex and sexuality. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, you brought up an interesting point, and in, in, you can get really good and confident. First off, being Christian or celibate can be a very powerful attractor to the world. And oh, if you if you put it out there. Okay, I'll give you the, I'll give you a more blatant example. I have a friend, a client, a former client, who's a strong man. One of the strongest men in the world now. He's uh, he's like number three in the world, I think. He just set a world record. He's a huge guy, huge guy. <laughs> you, know, you know, the, the squat bar will bend on his back when he squats. He puts too much weight on there. And it's crazy. His legs are so stiff sometimes that it tears through his people. He's a beast. So he's about he's about he's a smaller strong man too. He's about 340 pounds right now. So some of them get up to 400. So this guy, he walks into a setting, certain girls will really like what he has to offer, and they're going to see it all over him. He's the big size, the strength, the power, other girls are not. And that's beautiful because it's like a it's like a, a billboard saying, this is who I am, you either like it or you don't. And all he has to do is really be, be himself, be grounded, be nice, because his size does all the work. The average person looks pretty generic and, and they, they don't stand out like that. So that's just taking for granted. And now, how I compare this is the same thing. If you're celibate or you're Christian, and you put that out there, and you don't, you don't put it out there like I'm celibate, yeah, or I'm Christian. No, I won't. No, I'm Christian. This is what I believe. This is what I feel. I'm celibate. This is what I believe. There's certain women, because you own it, they're going to be, wow, this is what I feel. And, and they're going to start to like you. And there's other women you're going to repel. And you want to repel them as fast as possible so you can get to the women that like you, that really like you. But you're also going to, if you really own it, you're going to run into women that are going to try to seduce you when you say you're celibate. Um, and that's, they're, going to get, they're going to get turned on by it because you're confident and you're celibate. And when they see that, they're going to be like, what? Um, now, number that's one. Number two, there's, a thing, there's different emotions we feel in the body. One of them is compassion, love, caring. That's sort of a heart center. That's the real. That's what a lot of women feel from really religious guys. Is when they're really deep in it and they're working. Either that, or it depends on the depth of their religion, but if they've meditated or prayed a lot, then they probably have a good heart and you can feel that heart connection. The next piece is turn on. When you get lower in the body, you feel your turn on. Turn on doesn't have to do just this is where people make the mistake all the time. When they get religious, they shut down their turn on. And turn on is a turn on for God. It's a turn on for life. It's a turn on for building your business. It's a turn on for and when a woman feels a man's turn on, that part it's down in the hip area, basically feels like a tingle or warmth. And mixed with heart, compassion, that's what makes a man attractive. Because you don't have to use them as a 
necessarily uh, talking about it in a sexual way. You can be talking about it in a turn-on in a turn-on for life sort of way. Yeah, and you can even be talking about sex in a way where, yeah, I can't wait to have sex after I married. You know, or, you know, things like that. So you can feel that turn-on and that old cycle. Um, the best example of this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was he was a real estate millionaire before he became um, before he became famous for acting, and uh, so he, he was really he was really a businessman. And he's quoted in one of his documentaries as saying, "I'm turned on all the time," or he, he says he says a little more graphic. He says, "I'm coming all the time." He says, "I'm coming." I'm coming all the time. He says, I'm coming when I'm curling. I'm coming when I'm crossing the street. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm turned on for life all the time. I feel that little turn on in my life. That is a cool quote, though. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. But that, you can see that on him. And, and, you know, and so that's what turn on sports. It's a, look, sexual energy is creative. It makes a baby. But it can also... Sexual energy can be put into your artwork, your your business. That creative energy creates. It doesn't mean whatever energy you put it into is what what counts. You know, what do you want to put it into? So, as I would tell a person, as a Christian or a celibate, don't shut that energy down. Learn to channel it into stuff that's not that's not sex, but still, still keep it alive. You know, if you're not going to have sex. Absolutely, that's some really good advice. Yeah, like I've heard that too. Uh, like, uh, you know, replace. Uh, well, this is also graphic, but you know, like replace masturbation with going to the gym or, um, you know, learning a new skill set or reading a book. You know, like ways to kind of keep your mind off of you know the actual act of activity. And so yeah. it's, it's almost like you're doing the same thing. Yeah, energy's got to go somewhere. You can't just ignore it. It's gonna, it's gonna move itself somewhere. And so, what most guys do when they, when they, when they to, uh, keep that energy low is they masturbate a lot, and so they look at a lot of porn. And uh, then it makes it harder to teach them to go out and actually meet women because that energy they keep it really low by masturbating a couple times a day or a time a day, you know, or whatever they're doing. And then, and then, uh, and that, or that. That sense of power is also not there. If they stop doing that, start channeling it into making a business, start channeling it into um, whatever they want to create, then you'll be surprised at how much more passion they'll have for what they're doing when they learn to channel it. Um, I'm not saying you have to, and you might be different because Christian values might be different in this sense, but, uh, and there's some Christian uh, school, uh, schools of thought that believe you should never masturbate. And I'm okay with occasional masturbation, but. Don't be doing it all the time. I I agree. I've heard that from so many so many people. Um, yeah, and it is it is a Christian you know, like growing up my mom was like, Don't do that, that's how old men you know I mean uh oh, wow. are born. And so uh, I've heard that growing up and um even just recently, you know, speaking to my older brother, you know, he's like, um, hey, you wanna you wanna get out and, you know, work out, exercise get in shape, um, the more you do that, like, the less you'll have an urge to, you know, go jerk off. And so, you know, you're saying it a different way, but it's, it's the principle's still there. Like, you can do something else besides, you know, masturbate. <laughs> yeah, and the point in Hill has a chapter called Sexual Transmutation. That's what it's all about. It's about using that energy to create, to manifest. And, and as David David would probably say, if you want to use that energy to fuck the world open, you know. And, uh, and to impregnate your ideas into the world. Or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a more, again, it's a more graphic way of saying it, but it makes the point. Absolutely. Absolutely. That leads to my next question. Um, and you guess you kind of, you kind of answered this already, but just to reiterate, does having more sex help a man to get established? Because I know, um, you know, growing up even in high school, even through college, you know, the whole thing was, you know, was like, oh, if you go get get laid, like, that'll help you with talking to other people or other women. Um, is there any truth to that uh, stigma, or is it all just hocus-pocus? There can be. Um, 
it's not one of the, if you're going out just trying to get numbers to build yourself a team, that's actually going to destroy you. Um, so that tends to no. Um, if you have a terrible fear of sex and you have sex and you start to get over your fear, that can be huge. Um, if you go out and, and you have sex and it's more exploratory and constant, like, a lot of people, it's just like, I just, I want to get sex to prove something. That doesn't really do much good. But if you go out and let's say you're, you, you get, you get somebody that where you can really are just exploring and learning about the human body, each other, you're really, you know, there's still care, there's still, you know, that can be growth, growth oriented because of the exploration, because of the, because of the diving deeper and learning about your wants, needs, and desires. You are building confidence in that area. That's very different than just going out to get laid to get laid because you did it. You know, um, and so in that sense, it can. It can be very helpful. Um, and it really depends on where your insecurities are at and uh, what is keeping you up inside and what you can do about it. Now, let's say you're, you're celibate or Christian and you don't have much sexual experience and you're asking me this question. Well, you need to stop being a Christian and celibate. Let's say you don't have a plan of sex or exploratory sex like I talked about. No. Because you can also do a lot of stuff to start releasing the belief that you need to have sex. There's other ways to build your confidence, too. So, really, what we do is we want to look at the individual. What are his values? And work within his values. And if you believe he wants to wait till marriage, then we're going to work within that, and we're going to we're going to help him do a lot of uh, processing of beliefs and stories, so that he sees that he's going to do his exploratory sex once he's married. But if he feels like he needs to have sex now, and, and he doesn't have that that value, then we can work with that too, and we can go out and do that now. But if he's just going out to try to get a bunch of numbers so he feels good about himself, well, the only way that we can work is if he goes out, does that for a little bit, and gets over it. Because <laughs> it realizes it's not going to serve him. You know, it's not going to serve him longer. It'll it'll feel fun. It'll feel good in the beginning because he's got this huge desire, and he goes out and he gets with some women. And he's like, wow, that desire is getting satisfied. But then when the desire gets satisfied, there's a, a high drop off. You know what I mean? That's exactly what you mean. You broke that down so beautifully. I, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Just got three more questions. Thank you so much for that. Um, no problem. I'm enjoying the interview. You got great questions. Oh, thank you so much. Um, in your in your honest opinion, um, is marriage a, a good deal or is it a bad deal? Because I've heard on both sides of the fence. Like, you know, I've had friends that have you know waited till marriage and they're like, yeah, it's nothing like I thought it was. I wish I wish I could be single again. But then you have some people that are like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, from your standpoint, would you say that marriage is a good idea or a bad idea? Well, this again goes back to the individual. Uh, we create our own reality. Our brain processes it. Four to ten million different data. The second is the last number I heard. I've been hearing different numbers. A subconscious brain. Uh, the conscious mind only processes about seven. So if you're out there seeing massive amounts of information, you have been modeled your whole life that marriage is bad and that men get screwed over in marriage, let's say, and that men get all their money taken away in marriage. And that's in the back of your mind all the time. That's the blueprint you're going to marriage with. And what will happen is your subconscious mind will go out into reality through the Internet, life, and people, and it will validate that over and over and over again. So it's probably four to ten million bits of data per second. It can validate that, and it can validate also how beautiful marriage is, too. Um, but if you really believe and you have this warmth and, and, and you feel really light and emotional and marriage is really solid, you'll create a solid marriage. You know? So it really depends on getting in alignment with what you want, um, with what you want and what you feel inside. So that you can go so that you can get your subconscious and your conscious mind agreeing with that belief. And then then yeah, you'll have a great marriage. But if you if you really go into a marriage and you haven't worked all that stuff out, you know, you're going to have problems. You know, and it's going to go into a marriage thinking everybody gets divorced. And, you know, I hope I don't get divorced. Uh, hoping I don't get divorced. You know, the, 
you're heading for a Donna Gallows club already. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and I think marriage can be beautiful for people that are marriage-minded. Um, I think having children can be beautiful for people that want to have children. And it can be an amazing thing. I think people that don't want to have children shouldn't have children because they don't tend to be good parents. Um, you know, um, things like that. So I'm not for or against me. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm really more about helping the individual create an awesome version of the and get into that. Um, Brian, how do, um, this is kind of leading to my last question, but um, how do you effectively relay like your sexual desires or I guess wants to your sexual partner or lover without being rude? Um, I'll use myself for example, like I'm, I am trying to follow the Christian lifestyle and you know, I'm not necessarily for marriage, um, but my biggest fear is that um, I will have waited all this time to have sex, and the girl or the woman that I end up with, um, she'll be like a huge prude. I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but it is a, like a legit fear. Um, yeah. How do you, I guess, once you're with somebody, like a, a lover or a partner or, or even a wife, um, how do you relay what you want sexually um, to them without coming across um, really, uh, really easy. It's so easy, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, the, the biggest problem we have with doing that isn't talking about sex. Isn't about being honest about sex. It's more about, um, our shame around sex or our fear and guilt around sex. So, whatever emotion you're lacing the topic with is what she's going to feel. So if you have a lot of shame around sex and you start talking about sex, you're going to feel that shame and she's going to be yourself. And it's just, unless she's got a lot of issues, you know. But what I find is the more I take shame and guilt off of sex, the more I work with them to let go of shame and guilt and help them speak openly and honestly. Clearly, I like sex. It could be as simple as that. Oh, I love sex. I love the idea of sex. I can't just start having it. It's not like, oh, I love sex. That, that used to be so different. Yeah. The women are very receptive to that. And I bet they love the topic. They love talking about it. They have no problem. Matter of fact, they're more comfortable with it usually than the guy is at that point in the United States because they have wilder and crazier fantasies. Okay. The average woman has much wilder fantasies than guys. The difference between a male and a female is that a male can uh, typically get turned on very quickly when he wants to have sex and sex very quickly. Women on average, have to be warmed up, and so they, they're less, but when they, when they, quote, date, but they have fantasies around sex, they're smooth. Um, there's great books out there, like My Secret Garden, you should read that book, it's all about women's fantasies around sex, and you realize how yours are small compared to theirs. Um, if you read that book, and it's all stories from real women, um, and so it's a good re-educator for men to understand that, that women have a lot of desire in this world, and have a lot of wanting to you just read, if you get to the point where you don't have any shame, you just say, I like sex, or what do you want to do sexually? I'll say that right to a girl right away. You know, when I'm dating, what do you like sexually? What do you want to do with a fantasy? And at first, she might be, well, I don't know. And I'll be like, if I stay calm, centered, and solid, maybe next week we talk about it again, pretty soon she'll be sharing with me. And then pretty soon she'll be sharing stuff. She'll get crazier and crazier and wilder and wilder. And you'll be like, like wow, you know, crazy stuff. He is, I can't get out of you. What do you like about sex? Come on, tell me. I can't be pushy. I can't be prodding. It's just hey, I'm putting it out there. Really calm. Just like relax. Really calm. Everyday conversation. And then, you know, I can have a little turn on that, sure. I can be turned on saying I love sex. Or you know what I want? And then when you start to get sexual, you can say, you know what I want to do with you? Oh, my God. You know what I would do to you if you were my girl? And you can say that stuff. And, and, and the next thing I would say here is learn to talk dirty. It stimulates a woman's mind like nobody's business. Women love it when men talk dirty about sex It's so powerful for women. You can talk dirty during sex. And so learning to talk dirty is one of the powerful ways for men to really get rid of sexual shame. They really get comfortable mm -hmm. talking about sex. And 
practicing saying, saying uh, you know, I like us, or EG versions, or R versions, or versions, or X versions of this. You know, it can be like, oh, I just want to, I just want to slam it against the wall and kiss you right now. You're so sexy. That can be, you know, that's a, that's a slightly naughty version. It's not too graphic. So a woman can love hearing that if you whisper that in her ear. You know, um, you know, I want to, uh, you know, your your uh, your hair is like so sexy. I want to grab your sister and pull you like that and kiss you on the neck. You can whisper that in the ear and you can say, I want to pour ice cream all over you like that and lick it off. This type of stuff that's said with no shame, you'd be surprised how many women will just be super receptive to it. I wouldn't start off. I'd start off as you know, simple questions. Right, right, right. Don't leave me with this. Yeah. Wow. That simple topic of, you know, what do you like? What do you like about that? What's your favorite thing? Tell me more. Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. And if you really listen, and then when she starts to see, here's the big piece. This is the part I almost forgot. When she tells you, you have to resist, resist all judgment. You have to protect her fantasy. When she tells you, whatever she tells you, no matter what it is, don't make her feel dirty or wrong or slut. Because she may tell you something that she never wants to really do. It's the fantasy in her mind. So what that that's very different. So it may be something really wild and the average guy will react and coil backwards a little bit inside and shift the gear back. And so when you just receive it and say, That's beautiful, thank you for sharing. It feels safer to share more. And and doesn't mean you'll ever do it. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll do a, a, a role play version or something that she really wants to do that's safe for her and safe for you. But that whole idea that, that if you start recoiling inside and getting weird inside, you get jealous inside or get insecure inside, that she'll feel that and she'll want to share less with you. Because she's going to share to the level that you can share. And I want my woman sharing everything with me. Even if we're not going to do it, I want her to be so that she feels so she can be brutally honest and totally honest. Um, I'll give you an example. I and this is uh, I asked a girl once I was dating what she likes sexually, and she revealed fairly quickly to me that one of her big fantasies is to have sex with five cowboys in the back of a pickup truck in an open field. Now, does that mean she's going to do it? Doesn't necessarily mean she's going to do it. Okay, and doesn't mean I'm going to run out and get a pickup truck and buy it four of my friends. You know. But the point is, is I also couldn't get jealous or freaked out by that. I just listened and took interest in it. And that made her feel closer and safer with me. We never did it. But you see the point? Now she can trust me. And I guarantee you, all of you guys have fantasies that are like that too. I mean, you may never want, you may never do it, but guys have threesome fantasies or having sex with a group of girls or you know, things like that. They have these fantasies. And and uh, and so just just you if you have them, trust me they have them too. <laughs> they're just they're just more careful about sharing them because they don't want to get freaked out. Yeah. Right with yeah. You're right. That's so right. Yeah. Um Wow. Um Brian, my last question is just um, I know I noticed that you, you do several workshops. Um, uh, a lot of the workshops are over in Europe, New York City, and uh, Southern California. Do you have any plans to, to branch out and to do workshops in the South or Southeast U.S.? We don't as of right now, unless somebody has a group that wants us to come there. And, and, and you know, somebody had a group that wants us to come there.
I love it. Brian, I'm all out of questions. I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show today, and I, I wanted to open the floor to you if there's um, anything you want to say to our listening audience. Um, no, I, I mean, in general, the questions are great. I had a great time uh, sharing. What I what I like to share is if, if you want to learn more about this stuff, just go check out our YouTube channel. They got hundreds of videos on there. Uh, YouTube.com slash the fearless man. And then if you want to learn about workshops, go to the fearless man.com. And we got workshops and we've got, we've got the fearless man live, which is a, a nice group workshop, small group, well, 30 people or so. That, uh, really gets in depth into these teachings over two days and it's, it's really affordable. So uh, if somebody's looking for something more affordable, that's a great way to go. Um, and nothing I do is really light, so. <laughs> It's all things to be deeper. So, uh, so if you're looking for, if you really want to plan the soul and the depth of this stuff, and you want to see all the, a lot of different angles, you know, that's the way to do it. Because I can teach only so much to you. There's so much more I can teach in person. It's, it's, it, it doesn't translate on YouTube. I'm trying to put some of it on YouTube now, but it's such subtle stuff for you. It's not ways for people to actually able to see it and understand it. And it's all about subtle communication. There's a subtle shift in the emotion that can affect in the conversation. And the subtle drops that pull out of your, turn on into your, your head or pulling out of your heart into your head and you're talking causes a whole different effect on the, on the conversation. And it's really hard to show that stuff on camera. Uh, we just shot some stuff yesterday that I hope will translate and it'll be coming out in the next month or so. But, uh, but seeing it in person is more easier and you can really have a conversation. Something you can get out to, I highly recommend it. Um, if not, I totally understand. Either way, we're here. Uh, Brian, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It was a, it was a real pleasure. Your, your questions are great, and uh, I really, uh, I really feel that you're passionate about helping men too, and, and changing your own life and helping other men. And that's that's really the way to change change your own life and keep helping others. It's a compound. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm really more passionate, more so about, uh, like radio. That's my thing is like, I, I just want to be able to, um, reach the guy out there that, you know, that's like me and, and to show him like, Hey, you know, you can follow your dreams too. And, you know, things can get better for you. You don't have to, you know, give up on life or, you know, become bitter. And, and I, I love interviewing people like you because you know, you're really good at showing showing that as well. Um, your um, your path is a little bit different than mine, um, but yeah, I love like highlighting stories like yours. That's that's my thing. It's like showing, you know, connecting people with stories like yours. That's that's my that's my joy. That's really what I'm into. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome, and I can I can really feel that in you. I can feel that passion. So I really appreciate.